0: Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, I want to talk with you this morning about um, encounters, and um, it's partially my fault. There's so much uh, resistance going on, because I knew when I decided to talk about encounters, the devil was going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, because when you have an encounter with the Lord, everything that you've known becomes reality. He's not afraid of what you know about him. He's afraid about how much you know him. So when you start wanting to have a time of actually knowing who he is instead of coming in and me just talking about him, the devil really gets upset because people begin to find out their identity in him. And so something's just uh, something that's been stirring in my heart is this topic on encounters. And one of the interesting things about Jesus was that Jesus, uh, as far as I know, Jesus never healed someone the same way twice. I don't think there's a record of two people being healed the same way by Jesus because um, Jesus never wanted people to value the process higher than the presence. Our nature is to figure things out and when we think we've got something, we're gonna try to replicate it. That's kind of human nature. We figured this out, you know what I mean? And God has this high value that he would rather you know and experience his presence more than have a really great process. And so Jesus continually, when he healed people, he continually did it differently. He continually did it in ways that actually offended people. Um, I mean come on, spitting in people's eyes. I mean, it was like, some of you come in here and you think some of the stuff is weird. I mean, listen, he spit in the mud and stuck it in their eyeball. I mean, he did stuff that was like, what? You know, he's gonna go dip in that pool, you know? Go dip again, go dip again, go dip again. Why? Because he was not gonna let them get a pattern of what he was doing. Because if they got a pattern figured out, it would take away the reliance upon him. That's kind of, Crisis Christianity annoys me. It's, it's people that only come into a relationship when there's a crisis. It, I, I, th- I don't think we could ever change a city or change a nation if the only time we draw close to him is when everything's falling apart in our life. Jesus wanted them to draw near to him, but he didn't want them just to draw near in the bad times. He wanted them to draw near in the good times. He didn't want them just to draw near on a Sunday. He wanted them to draw near on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so he never did the same thing twice because he wanted them to have a value for his presence. He wanted them to have a value for leaning on him, trusting him. And one of the greatest mistakes that I honestly believe that we can make is to value knowledge above encounters. Process above presence. Let let me, I'm I'm kind of bringing, I have so many notes and I know I'm not going to get to them, so I'm just going to take my time. Is that okay? And if I get a little chunk, we're, we're good for this week. I'm really big about learning about the Lord. I love learning about the Holy Spirit. I love learning about God. I love what we call theology. Theology is learning about who he is, right? But it was never meant to just be something that we know about him. It was always meant to lead to an encounter to know Him. And one of the dangers that we can get into, and, and we talk a lot about the fivefold ministry in this church. I, I um, that's a real big heartbeat of mine is raising up fivefold ministers. One of the dangers, and I talk about dangers for every grace, but one of the dangers with teachers is that they get caught up in being able to teach it, but they've never experienced it. They know about it, but they've never experienced it. And the last thing is we need is another teacher with a concept and not an experience. Because the reality is, is a concept will always be at the mercy of an experience. You can tell someone God doesn't heal, but after they just got healed, they're not going to believe you. Try telling someone who's been healed God doesn't heal. Now, you may have more of a shot telling someone that God doesn't heal that's never been healed. But try telling someone that's been healed, God doesn't heal. They're going to laugh at you because they're going to say, I don't care where you went to school. All I know is that I had this issue, and someone prayed for me. It went away. That's great. You've got your doctorate and all that on your wall, but I have healing. And there's something shifting in the body of Christ that's really big. It's, it's that we're getting into a place where we're valuing experience. Experience is huge. The Bible says, and we talk about this all the time, right? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? It's an experiential message. When people begin to say, well, it's not about feelings, you have to be careful. Because feelings are powerful. They are powerful. Experiences are powerful. You're awful quiet. It's because it's so great, right? (laughs) What's the point? Anytime that the Lord reveals to us a new truth, anytime that the Lord revealed something new to us, anytime that you come in here and we open up this Bible or they're leading worship and God speaks something new to you, a new revelation about him, a new truth, here's the beauty of it. Every single truth that you ever receive actually contains in that truth an encounter. It comes with it. But you have to pursue it. You see, it's like the kingdom is this multi-layer, multi, multi-layered thing where it's so hard to explain to people sometimes. But God speaks a truth. He releases something into me. And I actually, for me personally, one of the things that I, I kind of just have made up in my mind is I'll never preach about a concept that I haven't experienced. I've tried that, and it goes terrible. And it's okay because sometimes you have to understand that we have to, we, we have to talk about where we want to go or we'll never get there. But there's a balance between preaching about something that you've not experienced and just talking about a concept. And so one of the things that I try to stay away from is talking about things that I have no experience in. You ever, heard, you ever hung around someone that you didn't know very well and you find that? that connecting point. like It's like, all of a sudden they're like, you know, I grew up in this town. And you're like, you grew up there? I grew up there. You ever have that? Or someone's like, you know, my favorite restaurant's this place. You're like, that's your favorite restaurant? You know what I'm talking about? Mm. Shake your head if you're even breathing this morning. Just shake your head, okay. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, there's, there's this connection point and, and you get it and you're like, I love that place. You love that place, I love that place too. And all of a sudden you've connected. You've connected with them. And you see, the Holy Spirit. What happens is, is that the Lord comes in and He gives these little pieces of truth to connect your heart with His, because He knows that His the end game, the end goal is that you would be more connected to your Father. And so He comes in and He speaks this little piece of something to your heart, and it comes alive. Says, I never knew that, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, He is so good." And all of a sudden, you begin to become more connected because you begin to experience who he is. This is so, so huge that we experience who he is. Oh, my goodness. God has the same desire for us. He's more interested. His his highest value for me and you is that we would be like him. It's his highest value. When he looks at you, when you come in this place, he's he's looking at all of his great kids, and he's saying, I want you just to leave this place a little bit more like me today. It's a beautiful thing, really. We come in, and we've got all these things. So many people come into church so overwhelmed with their own issues, and like they're just beating themselves over the head. And the funny thing is that sometimes they're doing it in the name of God, and it has nothing to do with God. It's condemnation. And we come in and I'm not worthy. I'm no good. Oh, if you only knew. And God's saying, I just love you so much. I want to take you in today. And when you leave, I just want you to just be a little bit more like me. He's not scared of your mess. (laughs) He's seen bigger ones. I guarantee he's seen bigger messes than every mess in this room. And he's okay with that. Because his heart is to see you connected. If you have your Bibles, flip into Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Luke 10, verse 38. Now it happened, as they went, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. I want to read that to you in the... uh, Passion translation, because it really just speaks really uniquely. It says this. And as Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before her master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest, So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister let me do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. <laughs> the Lord answered and said, Martha, my beloved, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Here's Jesus, Savior of the world. in her home and Martha's Martha's upset she says we you know and and this is a cultural thing you make food for your guest and she said well you're not helping me when are we going to stop making Jesus food that he didn't order and just sit at his feet. Yeah. I watch people in the presence. I watch them. I love watching people in the presence. And the Lord's speaking to my heart about something actually a little different than what I prepared. I love watching people in the presence because I can tell who's okay with sitting in his presence, and I can tell the Marthas that have to get up and do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, let her be. She's right where she should be. Matter of fact, if you were to read on, he says she'll forever basically have a place in history because of this very moment. That she chose to sit at my feet instead of be busy. It's not about being busy for the kingdom. Listen, you can work your entire life. Look, think, about it from a, think about it from a parental perspective. It's not just about me being busy for my kids. I could work my whole life to provide for my kids, but what good does that do them if I'm never with them? What good is that for my children if all I've done is provide for their needs, but I've never spent time with them? They don't know their dad. What good is it for me in the kingdom to just keep busy, but to not actually be able to have sat at the feet of Jesus and say, I know him. I know him. I can just sit here and just be with him. And there's this, there's, this, there's this completely opposing situation going on here with Mary and Martha. You know, Martha's busy, busy, busy. Then you got Mary. And, and notice Jesus' response to Martha. He didn't, say, he didn't say, Martha, he said, he didn't say, why are you so busy and filled with energy? And, you know, he didn't respond that way. He's so unique because he said, Martha, he says, why are you so troubled in your heart? he immediately sows odor, right? He went straight to the root, right? Any of you that have been through inner healing, Jesus was amazing at this. He didn't look at her and say, why are you just making food and doing this and doing that? He said, Martha, why are you so troubled in your heart? So many people think that they're busy, busy, busy is just who they are, but many times if you could slow down enough to get into your heart and find out there's things in me that actually keeps me from being able to just sit still in the presence of God. There's so much glory in the room. I could just feel it like hovering because the God is here. One of the major choices in life that we face, you face it personally, we face it corporately, we face it as families. We face, uh, we, we face the reality of we can fill our life with activities. I can fill the church schedule. I can fill a church schedule with activities like you wouldn't believe. Everybody wants to do something. And you could fill that schedule up and fill that schedule up and fill that schedule up. And we can take our lives and we can fill it up. We can work more. We can do more. We can be more places. But there is a challenge and a question that we face every single day of our life. And it is, will you make time just to be in his presence? Will you make time to sit with him? Will you come in this house and just be with him? Just be with him. Don't worry about people that, that are in the ministry team here. Sometimes it's hardest for them because they have so many responsibilities swirling around them. But at some point in that morning, you've got to shut it all off and say, all right, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here to sit at your feet. You've heard it said before. I've, at least I've heard it said before. I've heard the phrase, if it wasn't for Martha's in the world, nothing would ever get done that statement was likely invented by a martha <laughs> but listen to me here's here's the point here's the point it doesn't do any good to prepare a meal that jesus doesn't want i'm gonna say that one again it doesn't do any good to prepare a meal that jesus doesn't want she was making sandwiches when he wasn't interested in that he was interested at being in relationship With Mary and her being in his presence he wasn't wanting a sandwich at that moment sometimes we come in and and we've there's all this stuff going on and he's saying that's listen guys turn it off just come and just be with me there's there's a correlation that I'm feeling in my spirit with this this morning Andrew came up to me I said what are you feeling and I was talking to him I said here's what I feel I feel that the Lord's actually trying to teach us how to minister to him There's a whole different world between you coming into this church and him ministering to you and you coming into this church and you ministering to him. I listen to it. I can even hear it in the different songs. I can hear it when there's songs that are about me, it gets louder, and when there's songs that are about him, it gets a little bit quieter. I'm just talking real, uh, this is not a condemnation thing. I'm just, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. He's, He's trying to teach us how to actually minister to him. The Bible says, I'm not going to make you go to all the references, but the Bible says to a number of places that in the new covenant, we're kings and priests, right? Yeah. Our purpose is to minister to him. It's to come into this house and, and listen on a Sunday morning. It's to come in here. What would it look like if we came in here? We all came through these doors and we said, OK, Father, I just want to I just I just want to pour my love on you. Instead of coming in this house and just saying, Lord, oh, I just need you. Here's the beauty. He's a good father. As you pour your love on him, he's going to be there for you. He's there for you. It's not a, it's not a one or the other. It's, it's not how it works. But the Lord's trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us what it's like to be kings and to be priests that come into this house. And we, we lavish our love on him okay I didn't think I was gonna go here but we're going there all right I feel a release now I didn't feel a release before service but I got it it says in uh there's this interesting scripture Luke chapter 17 verse verse 7 um or we'll start at 6 Luke 17 6 says if you have faith as a mustard seed You can say to this uh, mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And, And which of you, now listen to this, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him, when he's coming from the field, come in at once and sit down to eat? Pause. This is a parable. Jesus is saying, it wouldn't be natural for the servants of the field who have worked to come in and to eat first. But would he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk? What's the the point? Parables with Jesus are so much fun. First of all, let's make sure you understand what a parable is. He didn't do a parable. It's not like an illustration necessarily to make it easy. He hides truths in parables so you'll actually find it. What it did was, is it weeded out the people that wouldn't go for it, and it came down to the people that says, I'm going to find the truth in this. And he says these things, like this one here, he says, who would go out in the field and work all day, and then come in and expect to sit down and eat first before the master's eaten? Could it be that we're actually called to come into the house and to make sure that first We fed the master. There it's clicking. We come in and we first say, I want you to eat. What is he? (laughs) Mary got it. She said, I'm not worried about my sandwiches yet. (laughs) I have to make sure that I first give him what he's looking for. Before I go make a sandwich, I need to pour out my praise on him. I need to pour out my worship on him. He said, who would go out and come in and think they would eat first? What's the point? He's saying that you actually should come in first and feed him. You know what happens? Here's the cool thing. When you feed him, when you, when you come in and you give your worship to the Lord, you walk into this place and you begin to just, just lavish your love on him, you know what you feel? You immediately begin to feel an increased manifestation of his glory. It increases. It increases. Oh, it increases, huge. When you get a bunch of hungry people in the room that are saying, listen, I'm hungry. Before I eat, you eat. You see, it's the weirdest thing. Isn't, isn't the kingdom so unique? Because he's such a good father. But he's teaching us, he's saying, listen, come in, but feed me. And I'm going to just release my glory on you. The parable, Mary and Martha. Mary says, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to pour out my love on you. Our lunch can wait. I have to love you. Yeah. And here's Jesus. Here's, here's the, now, here's the picture. I love this. It's not this hard-fisted master, feed me. He says, I would never take that from her. Remember, at the end of that scripture, he said, let her be. I'm not going to take this from her. You see the character of the father in that? You see, it it can look like a hard-fisted master, but he's really saying, listen, let her do what she needs to do. She needs to pour her love out on me because she knows in that place is everything she needs. Now imagine if she just came in and made sandwiches. Imagine what could have been missed if all she did was come in and worry about their hunger and not first give him what he wanted. Amen? Isn't it so good? Isn't he so good? He's so, so good. I really believe that's the same choice that we face continually that Mary and Martha both faced was are we willing to just take the time to, to pour our love on him because that's, I'm finding there's these little scriptures God keeps revealing to me about increased glory, stewarding and outpouring from him and I've been hitting them but this is another one. Come in and pour your love on the father first. I put a little Facebook post on, on the internet this morning, and uh, I was telling her I, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night because it was kind of a crazy night. My daughter, Mackenzie, she's uh, nine now, and um, she like was asleep yelling for her sister. You know, in the middle of the night, she's like yelling, Addy And uh, so I jumped up at like, I'd fallen asleep around 11, and I jumped up at midnight and just Calm down, go to sleep, and then 3 something. My little girl comes in my room she's like dad I had a bad dream my alarm was going off at 4 30 at this point it was pointless and so she got in the bed and I just held her and laid there you know that feeling parents are just like waiting for the alarm to go off and I'm holding her alarm goes off I get up you know you've had a couple hours of sleep and you come in and I walk through the doors and and I can tell that they're having rehearsal, and I can, I can feel that there's some issues, some challenges with the sound. They even told me where things weren't working, you know, and you feel all that. And you come into worship, and for me personally, I don't know how you do it. I have to just come in and just absolutely throw my love on Jesus. I have to say, if it sounds terrible, who cares? At this point. Uh, who cares? If, if my sermon falls apart, who cares? As long as the presence is here, I'm coming into this place and I'm going to throw my love on you this morning, Jesus. And what happens is, is you begin to find that those services that everything went terrible for end up, at the end of the day, you look back and you say, that was the craziest service that I've been in in a long time because all of a sudden it got you out of the way. And what happened, you came into presence, you're like, "Well." I'm just going to give my love to Jesus, right? You're like, I got nothing better to do. I, I, I have nothing else to offer. So I'm giving you my love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have the Saturday night stuff and the Sunday morning stuff? And, and, and you just decide, I'm just throwing it on you, Jesus. And what happens is, is Jesus says, Jesus shows up. And he, all of a sudden, he's on the scene. He says, that is what I wanted. I'm not worried so much about if the sound is perfect. I'm not so worried about if your sermon is perfect. I just want you to come in here and just to pour your love on me. That's all I need. And then what happens? He steps in. (laughs) I said he steps in because all of a sudden you've come in and you've said, all right, you know what? I'm just pouring my love on you. And Jesus says, that's all I really needed. That's all I really needed. And then all all of a sudden everything changes. Because the Father says, you do that, and I'll do my thing. And it's in that place, it's in that place where I'm on my knees during worship, and I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm saying, Father, I "I just love you, I just love you, I just love you. And then you get up, and you're like, wow, all the heaviness that was on me when I walked in this room, it's gone. All of a sudden, all those pains and aches that I, you know what, my leg doesn't hurt anymore. It's gone. Nobody laid hands on me. I just lavished him. I just lavished him because he says that's what he's looking for. Woo, come on, somebody say amen on that. (laughs) So He's so good. But here's the deal. It takes a sacrifice. It does take a sacrifice. It takes a place that when you're weak to be able to come in here, and at times, instead of just sitting down, Saying, I'm going to push through. I'm going to sacrifice. Here's the thing about sacrifices it doesn't act, we're not actually, it's not a sacrifice until it's become inconvenient. That's the reality of sacrifices. It's not a sacrifice if it's not inconvenient. Whenever we fall into the trap of convenience over sacrifice, we've made a choice that we're okay with yesterday's manna. Because yesterday's sacrifice will provide you yesterday's manna. <laughs> What do you want to do, Jesus? You see, losing sight, this is why we have to keep, this is why we have to keep our eyes set on what God's calling us into. Let me try to explain this to you and then we'll start wrapping it up here. We have to keep our eyes on what God's calling us into. For for me, One of the things that I'm doing is I've been trying to get in better shape. have been working out. I'm sure you could probably all tell by looking at me. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but, I, but you see, if I were to measure my success by last week, I would never move forward. That's right. Because I would say, well, last week I could only do this many sit-ups, and I'm still right around there, so I'm still doing great compared to last week. Right? But that I don't care about last week. I've got my eyes set where I want to go. Physically what I want to feel like. Physically what I want to weigh. Physically what I want to do. And so I set my eyes where I'm going, and then that begins to be the thing that tells me how I need to sacrifice. In the church, what happens is is if we come in and we don't have our eyes on where God's taking us to, and we're just focusing on where we've come from, I get it, I preach on the power of the testimony, it's powerful, but if we're not looking at where we need to go, we, we don't really know if we're sacrificing. And here's the thing, sacrifices, these sacrifices are extremely powerful. And he's not called us to come in here and just do our thing. He's called us to live a life of a sacrifice. And I can't live off of yesterday's sacrifice. I can't live off of last Sunday's sacrifice. I have to say, Lord, I wanna go into a place this week that I've never gone before. For me to go there, I realize it's going to take something from me that I've never given before. It really comes down to how much do you want your encounter. Because you can listen to this whole sermon and you can, oh, that's cute. Or there's people in the room that will say I want my encounter. I need my encounter. See, we have to have an encounter for it to become real. What good are scriptures like, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good if I've never actually tasted or seen? What good are scriptures like, for me, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people if I've never experienced it? Stuck a little post on the internet about finances. That was fun. It really wasn't bad. I was going to put something else, and the Holy Spirit's like, unless you want to get punched in the face, don't do that. And you know, I was like, sometimes you're going to do something, and I listen to him because I don't just like to pick fights. And if he says, back off, I back off. And on that one, he says, don't go there yet. And so I backed off, but I just put a little thing out there. I just threw a little piece out there. I said, it's interesting to me how much a challenge finances are Talk to with believers. And I actually had a bunch of really, really, really good response. It was really, I I was blessed by it. It was not this, you know, these claws coming out. It was like, I want to learn more about it. And so I was personally really blessed by it. But one of uh, one of the folks put on there, and I share this because they told me I could say this, but they said, you know, it's probably an area that I need a revelation in. And I wrote them back and I said, you know what? I said, That's probably very true. The question is, is what have you done to get your revelation? You see, we need a revelation in all different areas of our life, but the question is, is how have you pursued your revelation? How how have you gone after it? For me, it's not good enough for me just to come in here and say, well, I just haven't really had a a revelation in this area yet. I have to align myself and say, I wanna understand that. I wanna have a revelation of who he is in that area. I know he's a provider. I need to know that he's my provider. I know that he's a healer, but I have to know that he's my healer. I, you understand? I know, that he, I know that he's a savior, but I have to know he's my savior. And there has to be this, this willing to press through and to dig in there and say, I will get this understanding because I'm not okay with just knowing about him. I need to know these areas that he, it's for me. I can teach you all day he's a provider, but there comes a point you have to know he's your provider. I can teach you all day he heals, but there has to come a point that you realize he does heal. He heals. Every truth carries that encounter. We just need to know how to dig it up. You know, I'm really blessed by... I know they wouldn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm really blessed. A couple of people that go to this church, Jonathan and Faith, I, they they came and they started coming here. And um, did you come before you moved? Yeah. Right before you moved, right? Yeah. They lived like really close to the church. And then they moved really far from the church. And I remember I met them, and I remember thinking... They're a great couple. I'm like, that stinks. They're moving because I didn't think they'd keep coming. I honestly didn't. And remember when they just kept showing up? And they said, you know, it's just it's just worth the drive. I mean, it's like what over an hour drive or something, but they come every week. That's the kind of heart that says, I want an encounter with you. I'm gonna drive from the mountains. To be in an atmosphere that cultivates encounters—that's what I'm talking about. That sacrifice. That the Father says, "Oh, I, I, I love that. I love that. I mean, I bless you guys for that. Really. I mean, you guys are, yeah, you're pretty amazing. I mean that." Thank you, Jesus. I feel like I feel like there's encounters just waiting. Some of you've got very I feel like even some of you know exactly what it is you've been praying for. It's an area that you need God to show himself in. God, I, I hear all the time how you provide. Show me you're my provider. God, I hear you heal. I need you to be my healer right now. He's here. He's here to give it to you. But Sometimes you got to dig for it. That's the word I just keep getting. I I don't know why I've been getting it all morning. Sometimes you got to dig in for it. If you can imagine. When he died and he rose from the dead, he said, Good news, everything I have I give to you. What's that mean? Everything in the kingdom that you can need, you already have it. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. Everything you have, everything you need, you have. There's the thing. That's what revelation is. I already have it but I need him to reveal it to me. I can tell you, you have it. Whether you believe me or not, that's up to you. Whether you believe the Bible or not, that's up to you. But it does say you've got it. The question is, will you let him reveal it to you? Imagine it this way. Imagine you've got this garden. This is a weird analogy, but run with me. Imagine you've got this garden and you've got things just buried in this garden. And some things are buried 10 feet down in the ground. Some things are buried six inches down in the ground. To dig these things up, you're going to need the right tools. You're not going to get out a garden spade for something 10 feet in the ground, you're not going to use a backhoe for something six inches in the ground. The beauty of the Holy Spirit is the Bible says that he'll guide you. The things that you're praying for, the breakthroughs that you're believing for, he's saying this, they're already in you. I want to teach you what tools you need to dig them up. Some of you may need a fast. (gasps) I know, right? It's like a cuss word in the holidays. Well, in January, right? Everybody's like, yeah, start that one on the 26th. Everybody fast for that week. <laughs> You're right. but Some of us, it may take a, it, God may say, you know what? You're going to fast. He's, he says it. Some things only come through prayer and fasting. Oh, some things, you got to have that tool. I can preach it at you all day. But he's saying, guess what? That one's coming through prayer and fasting. Right? Everybody loves that. Sometimes it comes by just sitting down in his presence for 10 minutes in the quiet, and he just showed it to you. That may be your tool. Here's what I feel like he wants to show us this morning. I feel like he wants to show us the things that we've been longing for. I feel like his heart this morning is to lead you on the path to reveal it to you. Some of you have been believing, I can feel the weariness on you. You've been believing for so long for something. Just, you're praying, Lord, just make this real to me. Whoa. There's a few people in here this morning, I just got hit like with a wave of loneliness. That you feel so lonely. And you know that he's a comforter. You need him to show you this morning that he's your comforter. He's my comforter. He said, Mary... What's wrong with your heart? He didn't say, Mary, chill out. He said, Mary, there's something in your heart. You're troubled. We're going to do something. We're just going to wait here a minute. And we're just going to listen to him. If there's, something in your, if there's something that you've been pursuing a revelation in a certain area of your walk with the Lord and you're, you've been going after it, but you haven't had it yet. Maybe it's finance, maybe it's healing, maybe it's whatever, I've, whatever. Whatever that is, let's wait. And I would even challenge you if there's nothing coming to mind saying, Lord, what do you want to reveal to me? And just wait a minute. In absolute Silence. As soon as you know what it is, stand up. And you don't have to stand up because everybody stands up. Just whenever you feel it. If you're still seated, that's fine. Just just keep listening. I want to do the first thing that Jesus did. Don't speak to your heart. So here's what it did. Just put your hand over your heart. Just put your hand on your heart. I release healing. I speak to every area in your heart. That a door has been opened, it doesn't matter how, but we just speak to those areas where doors have been opened and things have crept in. Whether it be hurt, unbelief, whatever it might be, situations that have come in and have filtered what we feel, what we see, our ability to receive from you. Somebody, it's a, um, somebody in here has prayed for somebody to be healed, it's not happened. I feel it strongly. And it's, it's, it's been a very big challenge for you, but it's coming to your heart. And I just pray healing over your heart. I pray that the God of peace would be released over every heart in this room. If you're still seated, you can put your hands on your heart too. We'll just pray over your hearts too. May the God of peace first come to your heart. Whatever this area is that you're believing for a revelation, many times that you'll find in your heart there's an area that a lie has crept in or a hurt or a pain has been just tucked away in your heart, and it's actually the roadblock for you getting to get where you need to get. And so I speak to those areas, I speak to those hurts and those pains. And I ask the Lord right now that He would give you the strength and the courage. If there's people that need to be forgiven, that you forgive them right now. That's big for a few of you. You need to, even if you just pray under your breath, I just forgive this person. Just take a moment and do it. Just I forgive this person. And if it's not a person, just wait. Now put your hands out like this. (sighs) Whatever the tool is that you need for your encounter, I pray that he gives it to you right now. Some of you may just be to sit in his presence. Some of you may say, I'm going to ask you to fast. Some of you may be, and he's going to say, maybe you need to give something. And please don't feel pressure to give to this church. But if he were to say, you need to give, I don't know, whatever it might be, he's going to show you the tool. And that's how you dig, because it's there. Just say, I receive it. Can we all stand up? There's a real, there's a real. Different feel in the room this morning. You feel it? Um, I know I make jokes sometimes, but it's really special what the Lord's doing in here. And sometimes we have to learn how to just operate in these new places. And today is a day where there's a very loving father saying, I'm here for you here for you, because there's a number of people in the room this morning that need a loving Father. I feel like there's some, I, I don't think I've ever called this out before, but I do feel like there's been even suicidal thoughts that are in the room. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if that's you, I, I, I just... Um, Curse that spirit in the name of Jesus that's speaking to you, and I silence it right now. I have way more authority than that spirit does, so I silence it right now. Tell it to stop. It's men and women in this room. I can feel it. It may not be something that you think on often, but it has been a passing thought more than once lately. And it's, we just, uh, I speak life over you. I speak life. I release life in the room. In Jesus' name. Can we just take a moment and just lavish our love on him? Can we do that now? Just, just, we'll just lift up the worship a little bit and just, just, just a moment. Just love on him. Just love on him. We love you.